The Business of Life. Brought to you by Country Harvest Meet the Breadwinners podcast. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to episode 42. What? Yep. Episode 42 of The Business of Life, Jan. The podcast no. that goes on and on and on. The little <laughs> podcast that could. The little podcast that could. And we are talking to you like like we do every week. And we're so excited about this chance to talk to you. And, and thank you to all the listeners who send us feedback and encouragement and who support us. And yeah, I can't believe it's 42 weeks. Can you? Nope. I'm still on I'm still on the Danube, but I'm I'm chugging past Nuremberg now. So, uh, you know, I I do plan on coming home eventually, but once again, my little setup here on the bed is um anyway, we won't talk into that. One thing I want to delve into right away is how much food has changed on these things cuz I remember going on a cruise with my parents. I'm going to say 10 years ago. Yeah. It was their 50th yep. wedding anniversary. We went on a big ship through the Mediterranean, and the food and I'm going to say this was terrible. It was pizzas. It was carbs, carbs, carbs. It was meat, meat, meat. It was roast beef and pork chops and veal and lamb and all this stuff. And on this ship, there are so many um, kind of vegetable-oriented eaters. I've had so many conversations with people, uh, obviously, that have read my, my social media and said, oh, yeah, I read you're going vegan and stuff like that. I am too. I have been for years or I'm vegetarian, this and that. And there's so many options. Like breakfast, they had vegan sausages and oatmeals and cereals and all kinds of stuff that have no dairy. They have just so many options on this on this ship. So it has, I was, I was a little worried, to be honest. I'm like, wow, what am I going to do? Yep. And I have been, it has been the easiest thing in the world. Are you fully vegan now? Well, I'm going to say 90, can I say 95%? Yep. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm. there's little things that slip past, but it's a, I'll tell you what, this whole process has taken me three years. Yeah. But having said that, I read an article, like, in the last, like, on the ship. I kind of remember where I saw it, probably CNN or something. In 20 years, 60% of our hand quotations, meat, quotation, quotation, is going to be plant-based meat. Hmm. Um, and that's in the next 20 years. I have a feeling it's going to be a lot sooner. It was so good to read that stat that they're getting so good at giving people that were carnivores that great satisfaction of a meaty meal that is plant-based. Yeah. So it's coming. It's it is a it is a snowball that has headed down the mountain and it is gaining size and speed and it's gaining a lot of fans. Huge opportunity for Canada because of, you know, our expertise and ability to grow a lot of plant-based protein. So, you know, we are we have so much opportunity to uh be global suppliers and global producers of kind of a new age of food and you know our food traceability our ability to our reputation as it relates to the yeah. the quality of our food and the the everything about the Canadian agricultural system and then saying that I do want to take a second to you know people some farmers get mad when you say I'd like to thank a farmer because they say I'm just doing my job but I yeah. got to say that I I'm I'm 
so respectful of farmers and the hard work they do. And more importantly, I'm respectful of the commitment they have to the fact that they're just renting the land that they are that they are farming, that they are thinking about the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. And they're thinking about what they do with their hands and with their machinery and with their hearts, really, you know, and, and at the at the pure mercy of the weather and what's happening around them, how they, you know, whether commodity goes up or down or whatever they're doing. And a lot of times they don't, they certainly don't control the marketplace. They certainly don't control the weather, but they get up each and every day to to really feed people. And it's such an, to me, it's like an incredibly uh, inspiring profession. And, and I think it, and I, and I've never met a farmer. I honestly, I've never met a farmer who I didn't go, there is somebody who's practical, who's hardworking, who has a good value system, who is committed to family and community and 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 doing things that actually matter to humans i i don't think i've ever met a farmer i've gone oh there's a there's a jerk <laughs> like there's a guy that's not very you know with it or doesn't really think about anybody but himself i i just haven't they're really fantastic people well they say there's people the young young people for sure are staying on the farms and i know really in the last 20 years i think there was an exodus um hearing a lot about uh, you know, their their sons and daughters didn't want to stay in farming. They were going back to school. And I think uh, the opposite is kind of happening now. There's a real resurgence with that farm-to-table idea, ideology, and the humane treatment of animals, of doing something we've done for a long, long time and doing it better. And I think Canada is is so could so be leading the way in, and it does in, in many, many ways already. Uh, that goes without saying. But there's there's no end to to where this is headed, Arlene. Like it's it's not going to go away. And I had even so many of my friends say over the last year, like really, like I don't really get it. Like why do why do vegans want stuff to taste like meat if you don't? I'm like that's not anything to do with it. You know, we all want a satisfying meal. Every vegan that I know used to have a half a pound of shaved ham and roast beef and massive turkey dinners on Thanksgiving and Christmas. This is a gradual thing. Um, I read an excellent quote from Jane Goodall, you know, the the humanitarian, the, the advocate for all animals everywhere, but mainly known for her work with the chimpanzees. And she just said that 50 years ago she just stopped eating meat because she, in her mind, felt that it was directly associated with the pain of something else that was living, a uh, fear from something else that was living, and that she just had made that choice. But, you know, for 30 years of her life, she ate bacon and pork chops and, you know, roast beef sandwiches like everybody else. I think it's kind of like, you know, whether you're a vegan, whether you're a vegetarian, whether you're a flexitarian, whether you're a pescatarian, whether you're a, yeah. a, a I don't know, there's like a Hey, eat the way you want. Eat, eat the way you yeah, want. Eat, I'm not saying be, anything yeah, of the exactly, sort. Exactly. Exactly. And and be respectful of the of of waste. I think that's yep. actually our bigger issue in the world is there's so much food waste in North America in particular where we're throwing away fruits and vegetables and good food. 
because they're either disformed or we don't like the look of them. I think we've spoken about this before. So we've got all this food that could actually feed hungry people. There's people. There's people at food banks getting banks getting. Um, not such great high quality food sometimes because the rest the restaurants and the grocery stores aren't able to provide them with the fruits and vegetables because some sort of stupid rule and regulation on you know food safety or food handling. I mean, I'm not saying they shouldn't be food safety. Of course, there should be, but some of the rules are just ridiculous. Some of the things we do as a as a nation. At supposedly in the best interest of the people, actually work against the most vulnerable people in our nation, the people who can't afford yeah. to, to stand up for themselves, the people who do need and deserve to eat well and be healthy, the people that can't get to the grocery store because they live in suburbs and rural communities and they don't have the ability to get to a grocery store, so they don't have access to potentially the, the, the same fresh foods, or they're living in areas that are aren't serviced by some of the the grocery stores and 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 if they could were they can't afford it I, there's all sorts of issues it's, it's it's really difficult to donate fresh produce fruits vegetables etc to it food is. banks it is um, it it's be. something that they're not equipped to deal with so you know for people that are reliant even if it's occasionally like i i, I you know, I had friends certainly in my 30s growing up that had young kids and divorced i remember my one friend and you know, she probably went a couple times a month just to kind of piece things together. And she said, you can't even get an onion. Um, this was, you know, years ago. But I, I think that's another thing that kind of fails the system is the inability to provide people that are reliant on food banks with fresh fruit and produce and stuff. I mean, the biggest thing that they're always looking for is peanut butter. Peanut butter. Um, it's protein. It's quick. It's something their kids will eat. And um, anyway, we can do so much better than we do. I, but I think it's coming. The awareness of where food's coming from, these, these great gestures that people are making, you know, young chefs that are literally, if they're using an animal, it's tip, no, what, what is it, uh, tip to tail or something like that, they're calling it. And I have a, a great deal of respect for those young chefs that are coming up and really changing the game. You know, they're not they're not going to a big chain and buying 10 steaks. They're involved in the the raising the agriculture. You know, they they know where everything's coming from and I that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I I think uh, as I said, food traceability and 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 eating eating food that is more native to our community like to our area so food that's grown close to us our, our bodies you know unless we have uh, immigrated and come from another country which many of us have um, it's actually they say healthier for you to eat the food that's local to you know where you were born or raised because that's what your body starts to get used to and that's what your body um, it was because of where you live mm-hmm. or where you were born is actually made to um, consume so it's very interesting I mean there's a whole bunch of science to it but all that to say i i love i would marry a farmer and if there's a farmer out there <laughs> hey dear is- farmers <laughs> we don't need a sponsor we need a farmer to marry arlene <laughs> listen call this number 555 <laughs> 555 <laughs> i love a farmer and i love a farmer i'd like to love a farmer and yep. <laughs> send me your resume. I, I'd like you to have um oh my gosh this could happen arlene i i would i'd marry a farmer this. I, I would. I okay, would. this is a challenge. All Canada, are you listening? <laughs> 
farming communities. Arlene Dickinson is a catch. She is beautiful, if, smart, funny, and she owns her own homes. But just one little Get in one, on this. one little ca- caveat. I don't what? I don't do gardening. La, 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 la. Arlene, I'm writing you from jail. <laughs> All right, okay. so <laughs> we're back, and Jan is making me laugh hard because she's finding me farmers that I don't think I want to talk to. So anyhow, let's move on to my off my love life yet again and talk about something else. I, um, what what else, Jan? What else is happening in your world? Oh my gosh, there's so many. I just want to touch on this for one more second. A couple of years ago, my friend who lives in Northwest Calgary, we're just talking about growing things and farming things and food. Um, And I thought this was such an amazing thing that this family had done. I think they had a couple of kids. They lived across the street from my friends. And what they had done with their front lawn, which used to be, you know, like everybody else's, the lawn, the trees, the little shrubbery and evergreen, they dug it all up and they planted a massive garden. So in their front yard was potatoes, carrots, beets, um, you know, the whole gamut. And they were out there, you know, a couple hours a day, tending everything and watering everything. And the neighbors, what is wrong with people, (laughs) went around and signed a petition to shut this thing down. What? They thought that it ruined the aesthetic of the neighborhood. And... um, I just, I'm like, is this actually happening? And um, the the neighborhood won. And this family, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know wh- how the story actually ended, but I think they they were able to do the garden and finish it out for that summer, and then they didn't want them to replant it in the spring. Like, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think stupid. every front yard should be a frickin' garden. Yeah, I mean, you know, you go to you go to third world countries and you see, you know, the chicken walking in the front yard and you see the little vegetable plot and you see the, you know, the drying out on the clothesline. And, you know, when I was younger, I'd go, oh, my goodness, like that's just, you know, look at those poor people. And now I realize that those poor people have actually found a way to survive to use their plot of land in an effective way to help feed themselves, to figure well, that's out, what I mean. you know, like that is like, who do we think we are? Like we're, it's all about the manicured, everything like people, sometimes I drive by and, and, you know, in Mount Royal in Calgary, or you go to Forest Hill in Toronto and you just go by there and you think, oh, is anyone home? <laughs> Does anyone live there? Because yeah. all you see is the army of gardeners and and nannies and um you know people washing windows and people doing everything it's perfect it's always perfect but then there's never any sign of life (laughs) there's never any sign of anything because everything's so damn perfect and and yeah. you know I, I I'm guilty of that I I had a home in Mount Royal and I you know wanted to keep my yard beautiful and I still I mean I keep the river house I spend and I suppose you would have been a little perturbed had your neighbors in between these beautifully groomed homes planted potatoes and peas would would that have made you mad um 
I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm sitting here thinking about it, thinking I, I, I probably would have been perplexed by it. I would have gone, huh, that's interesting. And I guess if it was like neatly planted rows of potatoes and neatly planted, you know, gardens, like what do I care? But if it was like a total overgrown mess, I wouldn't have been happy about it whether that was grass or anything, I guess. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a little bit hypocritical, but I don't think I would have cared if it was a nice, neat garden. I I wouldn't have cared. No, I I, I wouldn't have cared. You know, I would would certainly take up issue if, you know, somebody didn't mow their lawn or didn't give a crap about their front yard. And occasionally you go by those places, and my heart just goes out to them because you know that – Oh gosh, the front stoop looks like it could just use a coat of paint, and the window, the windows need to be fixed up, and and no one's tended, and you know someone lives there. There's two cars in the driveway, so I always wonder what the heck's going on. Anyway, onward to and upward to different things. Still on the uh, on the topic of the things people do. Um, huge issue this a couple of, in the last couple of weeks of a giant brawl breaking out. At a little league game, over uh, an, an umpire's call, and it involved a whole whack of parents uh, on opposing teams that literally were beating the living crap out of each other. And what? the police were absolutely appalled when you know people were frantically on their cell phones, you know, calling nine one one that there was a brawl going over uh, over an umpire's call. Thoughts, Arlene? It's crazy. Like, what's wrong with parents? Uh, I don't know. I think people, I don't know, Jan, what's wrong in general? What's wrong with so much of the the world? Fighting, punching, like bloody noses, busted noses. Like uh, uh, women, men and women fighting. These, These sets of parents fighting each other over an umpire's call at a little league game. So these kids were 12, 13 years old. I, you know, just shame on them. I, I don't I don't understand the behavior. I don't understand the you know these are these are probably parents that have known each other. Their kids have certainly played each other over the years. You know, it's not like you play a, a team every week that you don't know the kids. You know these parents. You know these people. You've probably talked to them in the parking lot. I don't know. People are walking on on these. Very thin sheets of ice. Well, I think there's so much expectation of these kids to be... There's expectation. There's there's just a heightened sense. I mean, on the other side, I would say there's a heightened sense of anxiety, Jan. People, there's a fear. There's a, a sense of anxiety. There's a sense of... of there's an individualistic approach to so many things where what we're doing is we're taking this approach that... I think there's two things happening. I think we are being forced into picking a side. So we're being forced through social media and through the fast news cycles that are going on out there to pick sides in fights that we know either little about or nothing about. And not yeah. even not even, and even more than that, not only do we not know anything about these fights, we're asked to choose sides in them all the time, and these fights are senseless and purposeless. Like, you know, fights whether it's a political fight, whether it's a community fight, whether it's a, a religious fight, whether it's an, you know, whatever it is, we're asked to choose sides. And I want to I want to come back to this because I feel really strongly about this point. I want to talk about it some more. La, 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 la
So welcome back to the Business of Life. Jan and I were just talking about kind of what's going on in society in general. And I was just saying to Jan that I am, I believe that this heightened sense of fear and anxiety and this this somehow forcing us people to pick sides in battles we don't really know anything about or care enough about. And then couple that with this this growing sense of individualistic behavior where we're only ever thinking about how things impact us. Yeah. And and so you take all of that and it's created a world where people's decisions are centered around their own needs and they don't want to think about anyone else because they, they, they don't even know what's going on in the world anymore. They don't Every- even know that what they're, they don't even know really the the heart of the facts for yeah. the most part don't yeah. you think well the, i mean yeah you 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 everybody jumps in on a fight on twitter because somebody starts a fight they haven't everybody even read chooses the thread. a side they don't even know they what's going on they haven't even read the thread right they it's don't like even know. i i see those comments all the time these random things i'm like do you even know what the f we're talking about but we're asked like, to pick sides that's expected of us though so if you're you got to stand for something what side are you on pick right now tell me your side what are you saying like i get that all the time i'll say something they'll say well then do something about it arlene what do you What's your side? I'm going, well, I I actually just have an opinion right now. I don't really have a side. I just have a thought on this. <laughs> I don't want to wait in and stand on one side of the... It's kind of like those days of, you know, what was it, Red Rover, where you had to call people, you know, and you were picking people, and if you didn't come over, then somehow you were the loser kid. So you got to pick your side quickly. I it's just, hated I, that Me game. too. I hated it. I was never picked. And my arms always hurt. I was always worried about somebody running through my arms, and I was tiny. I mean, I was a little person, and and people know where the weak part of the chain is, and I always had these big-ass guys, like, running between my little arm and somebody else desperately hanging on to my hand. Hated that game. Anyway, go forward. Go on. Yeah, no, I mean, that all those games were so stupid, right? But it was. it's always about, again, you pick a side, and, and sometimes life isn't about picking a side. Sometimes life is about having a discussion and expressing an opinion and learning that both sides have value. Sometimes you don't have to choose a side. Sometimes you have to hear both sides. And, you know, it isn't always about this... You know, you think about like um, I did a, a speech the other day about you had brave, Braveheart. You know, remember where they the big lines of armies rushing at each other and clashing with each other. And there's this great gif that's on uh, on the internet that shows them all rushing at each other and swords up and you know, like like. Uh, shields out and they're screaming, running towards ah! you, screaming at each other and then they, they get together and they stop and they shake hands. And <laughs> and it's it's just a wonderful image of what really can happen if 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 you just stop the fight and start to understand the other side. And people are too ready to fight nowadays. That's well, my two cents. That whole thing with the little league was a perfect example. I mean I remember I played hockey uh, as a young girl at Springbank. It was a small community and, you know, hockey, like many small communities, was the center of the universe. Uh, There was a thing called the Red Dutton Arena that is still standing today and still very popular, does little league hockey. Anyway, but I remember even back then playing hockey with a bunch of, you know, young girls and there was a few parents that were yelling and screaming obscenities like you wouldn't believe like at us and yelling at the ref and swearing and cursing. This would have been in the, gosh, the early 70s. 
And I, that mentality was always so shocking. But usually back, even back then, somebody else would pipe up and go, hey, calm down. The kids are playing a game. This is a game. You know, clam up. And that was the end of it. But now here we are 40 years later. And ex- the climate has been so exacerbated by, um, and you touched on it, this, this split, this divide of you're either with us or you're with them. And I'm just wondering, where, where is this all going? The us and them mentality, like it, it almost sounds like a bad science fiction movie of like, who is us and who is them? Like the lines are so blurred that it, I, I'm, to be honest, it, I lose sleep at night. I think about it. And I think about how even the parties are becoming so diluted as to what they stood for even 10 years ago, Arlene. Yeah. What do you think it is? What's the change, Jan? Is it, is it social? Well, I, you know, I think we'd be foolish to think that it's not been really driven by social media. Um, you know, I was one of those people, I used to always buy the paper. I remember buying, you know, the Calgary Sun all the time or the Calgary Herald or whatever city I was in, you know, getting the Chicago Tribune or if I was in L.A. or Lethbridge, wherever I was, I always picked up the paper. And I loved it. I was a news junkie. And, of course, now I'm, I'm, I'm still looking at my phone in the morning, but it's, it's difficult. I, I, but I feel like that was one of the catalysts. Yeah. Um, of how our information is being consumed and what we believe and what we don't believe. We've talked about this ad nauseum, I know, but um, I just want, I, I think it's at the heart of it. I just want leaders to be leaders. I am so tired of this. I, I'll tell you, we're right in the middle of a political cycle right now, right? We're starting the election processes. Uh, you know, it seems to go longer and longer every year. And I don't. I don't know what marketing genius decided that negative ads were the right thing to do, or what poll somebody took a decade ago that said let's just belittle, you know, the the, the party candidates, or why anyone thinks it's okay on Twitter to to truly trash. Um, I, I don't I don't get it. Like, I guess I, to me, those days are, you know, maybe 10 years ago, that was the right way to, to gain attention. But I think in a world where people are so sick and tired of negativity and 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 what I would call just personal attacks and personal oh, it's, a, it's it's attack ads yeah absolutely it, it, what has that got to do with what matters and i'm also very tired of people saying what's wrong with the you know incumbent whoever that is whatever party so whether it's the ndp in alberta versus the conservatives whether it's the conservatives versus the liberals whether it's the liberals mm-hmm. or, i don't care which party but it's always about what they're not doing versus what the other person stands for and what they would do and 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 there's it's right do you know what i'm saying yeah. like i just well uh, it's always a it's always it's almost like smoke and mirrors to really distract i think we as voters we as as a society as to what they're actually um wanting or or, or going to fix or or going to solve like what their policies are i've asked myself that a hundred times like Okay, I just heard this guy talking in a debate for an hour, and I have no idea, uh, this man or this woman, of what 
what they're, what, they're, what platform they're standing on. What are you going to do? What do you stand for with education? What do you stand for for healthcare? Where do you, where do you stand with how to fix our economy or to reconcile the massive amount of debts that we are incurring, you know, from, from minute to minute and where it's headed? Like, it's all this crap that distracts us from what the actual issues are. That's where politics have gone. That's where campaigning has gone. They're, they spend an inordinate amount of money trying to deface and to somehow disenfranchise their opponents so that what they're doing, it's, they don't even want us to know what they're doing because I don't really think they know what they're standing for. Yeah, like, well, honest it's, to God. it's what they stand against, not what they stand for. And and exactly. that's and, and there should be a, a website somewhere that says, Okay, politician, you pro- and I and by the way, I, I need to say I respect and admire anybody in public service because it is a really difficult job. It is one that requires an enormous amount of effort and 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 hopefully love for our country and for the citizens of this country. So thank you for that. But could you just put up your promises and then could you just be accountable on a website to say whether you did them or not? That's it. Simple. La, 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 la. I'm with Arlene Dickinson. I'm Jan Arden. You're listening to The Business of Life. There is something I do want to talk about. And I've had many, many people ask me if I was going to speak about it. And yes, I am. I finally feel like I can. And it's the death of my poor dog, Belle. Um, we had her put down a couple of weeks ago. And uh, <sighs> it's such a horrible choice when you have a dog put down, but it is, you know, it's, it's a blessing to be able to go on a journey with a, and it's a family member. I don't care what anyone says. I will take any kind of heat for people that say it was just a dog. Like I've had lots of those kinds of comments and I'm like, are you a human being? Like, have you ever had a pet? Anyway, I don't even pay any attention to those folks. But um, I've had much more positive support. It is a family member. And um, it was a really beautiful afternoon. Belle had lots of treats. She was 13. She had diabetes. She absolutely went through so much to stay with me and to stay. I, and I couldn't have done it. I want a shout out to my friend and assistant, Nadine Beauchene, and her husband, Dave, um, for helping me look after Belle as I traveled so much, they were just, uh, I just, I could never have done it without them. And Nadine and Dave loved Belle so much. She spent just as much time at their house as, as she did at my house. But it was once again, such a learning lesson. And Nadine and I both talked about um, what we learned when mom went and that we were just so much better prepared to emotionally to, to watch her go just because of what, what's happened in the last few years and I'm not saying you get better at it as you get older but boy it was it was such a special afternoon yeah I saw the pictures that you posted on uh, on Instagram um, of you hugging Belle at the end there, yeah. and it was 
uh, a it is a family member it is is it's totally some, somebody who showed love gave loyalty was by your side constantly you know shared memories in terms of all the things that you know that bell was there with your mom and dad with you you know mm-hmm. those those moments with her are are forever and you know that picture you shared jan of um of your mom and dad and and they're uh, all gone now. they're all gone the screensaver yeah. everybody's gone yeah, and it's and so, I, I you know life is life, and I I respect yep. what you. I totally agree with you. It does, you know. I think putting uh, when we t- we talk about putting pets down, and I I think there's something you know. There's it's a good kind of thought around euthanasia and and what happens with ad- pe- people. You know, why are we actually kinder to, to pets in some respects so we, oh, for than sure. we are to humans who are suffering and who would rather end their lives? Why do we, you know, why, again, why do we not allow that to happen? If a human wants to end their life um, with dignity, then why wouldn't we let that happen? But we'll do, we, we, we do understand it with pets. It's funny, eh? Um, it, a- it, we talked about that too. Uh, you know, here we are out in the sun, um, and the one thing that was very apparent is that, you know, obviously Belle didn't know anything. She didn't know. Yeah. Nadine and I cried all afternoon because we had three hours and we had two hours and we had one hour. And then the vet was going to be there in 15 minutes. And and Belle, you know, was looking at us and licking our faces. And and so I said to Nadine, we've got to get our stuff together. We've got to get ourselves together. And because this dog is going to really you know, pick up on this. And I think she did a little bit. She had so many treats that afternoon, but she didn't know. She didn't know it was coming. And there's a blessing in that as a human being, even when you choose um, to have a doctor assisted death, which is an absolute must in any civilized society, is that a person who has a terminal illness should have access to the proper medication, to a physician and to someone to help them on their way out. It is the absolute right thing to do. I hope that that is something that is available to me on, uh, in a really easy, um, effective user-friendly way without, you know, for a lack of better words, because that dog, it was the most peaceful, beautiful thing. You know, she, they're put, they, they, they get sedated first. So she was sleeping, she was sleeping. And then, you know, she's given an overdose of barbiturate, which is basically what the cocktail is. She was gone in five seconds. Really? And yeah, we bawled our heads off. But she couldn't see us anymore. She had been diabetic for a year, two shots a day. Uh, and finally she got a really aggressive form of cancer in her right leg. And the tumor was getting bigger, I swear to God, on a minute-to-minute basis. And we timed it just right. Um, and keeping her alive any longer would have been it would have been cruel, selfish. It would have been yeah. very selfish. It would have been cruel and selfish. And and yeah. yeah, I I really again, you are a person who shares intimate um, perspectives that I really believe help everybody. Anyone who's listening to this, who's either losing a parent or a a friend or a a pet or a family member of any sort. Um, a, it's it's nobody wants to see anybody suffer. Nobody. Nope. And nobody wants to, you know, not be there to help. And and the, the enormous amount of guilt that's put on us. It it is interesting to me that, 
you know, people will say to your point, Jan, well, it's just a dog. And, you know, like, of course oh, you can I, put your dog down. Me. It can't make its own choice. It can't, it doesn't think. Well, actually it does have a, a mind. It's, you know, it's, I don't know how, I, I actually don't understand kind of exactly how intellectual or intelligent um, dogs are, but I'm told they're very intelligent. And, and the, and the point of that is, is that, you know, we won't take parent, people who are still have their minds and their ability to, to think and say, this is what I choose. And yet we won't help them because we're scared we're going to go to hell. And yeah. it's again back to the Bible. Like, you're going to go to hell if you do that. You're taking a life. My well, mind. Yeah. It crossed my mind that I was doing something that I shouldn't be doing. Did it? Well, what do you do? Leave Did something it? to suffer? Did it cross your mind? Yeah. Really? I said to Nadine, are we doing the right thing? You know, I'm crying away. And she's like, absolutely. She goes, I've thought that too. It, it's, it doesn't seem natural to end something's life. And it's just the innate part of our humanness. You know, you want to call somebody. And I spoke, you know, about my mom this way, watching her die. I wanted to call 911. I wanted to run down the hallway screaming, please help my mom, help my mom. She can't breathe. She's struggling. That's what... That's what our, the inside of our head is yelling, but you know, it's, that's not what it is. You have to let them go. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, even my mom, I think she suffered longer than she probably needed to. Um, but that's not the way it works. Yeah. They just, and my dad went on two days longer than he should have. Yeah. Two days, 48 hours. That was God awful. So anyway, it was, I I wanted to address it because I've had hundreds of people ask me about it and so many beautiful messages. And um, it it made me think too, there's a company and I think it's Google Arlene, Google or Apple. Gosh, I'm so sorry, guys. I want to find this out exactly, but it's one of the big tech companies. They give uh, bereavement days for a lost pet. And I just thought, what a beautiful gesture. Hmm. And it's obviously somebody who's in the higher ups in the company that has dealt with losing a dog. And I felt just as bad about Belle as I did my mom. And once again, I'll have people going, that's stupid. Well, that's the truth. It was, I cried for so many days leading up to it because I knew it was coming. And I, I'm just, now, two weeks later, able to talk about it without bawling my head off. Yeah. Well, as always, I appreciate you sharing everything you do share, Jan. Uh, I, and, I, and I think one thing you do that is um, really quite remarkable is through social media, you've learned to use that tool as a way to um, open your heart up and, and share with people kind of those moments that you're going through. And I, I know I asked, I, I, I had texted you uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess now, uh, without thinking, I, I hadn't actually gone on my feed to see what was going on with your day and didn't think to myself that you were in the middle of going through moving your parents home. Oh. And and so I was asking you to do something as a favor for me. And you, as you always did, you right away said yes. And then you turned around and said, I, I can't. I got this going on and that going on. I thought, oh my God, Arlene, like how did you not... But you, how, how would you've known? But I, well, you would you, never have known I, I, that in a I would have years. if I checked your your social feeds. So I, you know, I think we we can be, you know, anyway. I, sorry about that. No, gosh, yeah. it 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 just it doesn't matter. I my shoulders are getting broader every week that goes by, and I, 
I, Belle had an exceptional life. She was just an awesome dog, and I just picture her with my mom and dad. And um, I'm so glad I have lots of pictures and great memories. And and it's just it it just is a real lesson in loyalty and and unconditional love. All those things. If you ever ever considered a pet, and you're on the fence, and you're like, oh, the kids have always wanted a dog or a cat or a bunny or something, I I you you must do it. You must uh, get a rescue, you know, get a little dog that doesn't, you know, have a home right now that is, you know, maybe a year or two old. And maybe for people that are first-time pet um, owners or want to be first-time pet owners, it'd be great to to maybe skip the puppy stage, which everybody kind of talks about as very arduous. But, you know, if you're considering it, I I can't tell you how much it'll change your life. It just is... uh, um, the, what they bring into a family is, is, it's just palpable. You, you can't even imagine. So anyway, that's my rant. If you, if you're thinking about getting a pet, please do don't put it off because you will literally say to yourself, you know, a week later, what, how did we ever, how did we ever not have this dog or cat or whatever? And on that note, Jan, how did I ever not have the chance to spend this much time with you in the past? And I'm so grateful, oh. so, so grateful for every every minute we speak. You you lift my spirits and you make me think and you are forgiving and you're opinionated, but you're 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 opinionated <laughs> in a in a way that that is strong but not unbending and I, I, I have an enormous You're my love sister for you. from another mister. Yeah, truly. Anyway, love not you. Honestly. Yeah. Love you. Love talk you too. T- talk and to safe your friends. travels to where you're going. Um you and, and you'll have to update us on your mom next time we speak. But um talk to your friends and I will see you very soon. Talk to your friends, safe travels. Love.